Good morning, or afternoon, or whenever it is that you're listening to this. Uh, we're going to look at the hope of Jesus' second coming. Uh, this is something that you've probably seen pictures about at some point, or maybe uh, if you're older, uh, my, my age or older, you probably uh, saw a series called the Left Behind series, and there's, there's all kinds of interesting stuff uh, around Jesus' second coming. And I want to look at a couple passages today um, that look at what's called rapture theology. Rapture theology is this idea that when Jesus shows up, boom, uh, our souls will leave our bodies or our bodies will be transformed into our souls and they'll float up to the clouds somewhere. And there's a few passages where they get this from. but this is this idea that Jesus is coming to snatch us away from this creation and to take us up to the heavenly existence. Uh, but throughout this series, we've been looking at the, when you look at the biblical hope and the hope that's throughout the Bible is God has created a good creation. That creation was marred and broken by sin. And God is seeking to redeem and uh, renew that creation. Uh, So in Genesis, you have this perfect creation, uh, Genesis 1 and 2, that's broken in Genesis 3. And then you see the unfolding of the history of God trying to redeem this creation. And it's interesting, he tries to redeem the creation through broken people. Uh, which is going to cause problems. And so then you have Jesus, the the one who is perfect, uh, the new Adam, as Paul calls him, the second Adam, the one who got it right. Uh, he represents Israel, and there's a lot of parallels with uh, between Israel and Jesus' ministry, where Jesus is depicted as like a second Moses. Um, this Sermon on the Mount is an example of that, uh, the the different things that happen around the birth of Jesus and where he goes after he's born. Uh, there's depictions of that. And that's a whole other lesson for a whole other time. But, but what I'm wanting to get at is uh, Jesus uh, in his ministry shows the fulfillment of, of who Israel was supposed to be. Uh, he is the one that brings restoration. His, his message was the kingdom has come near. And this kingdom coming near is this promised Holy Spirit, a down payment on what is to come. And every time he's preaching about the ministry coming near, or the the kingdom coming near, he is depicting, um, it is depicted as people receiving sight, uh, the, the lame being able to walk. It's this restoration of people, this restoration uh, of the broken creation. And it's all pointing forward to when restoration will come. And the, the way that Luke and Acts lays out the, the ministry of Jesus and the life of the church is the Holy Spirit began its work through Jesus and continues its work, its work through, the, through the church. And so you have the ascension passage in the beginning of Acts, and it's this, uh, this giving of the Holy Spirit that then launches the people of God back into the world to redeem the world, to be to continue the redemption work. This is what Paul's saying in 2 Corinthians 5 about uh, the ministry of reconciliation. And, and we are the ones, uh, not, not just to save people's souls, but to 
bring reconciliation and redemption in the world. We are, we are the co-gardeners going back to the garden. And so this is why the New Testament talks a lot about citizenship and our citizenship is in heaven, not in this world. And so we don't get too involved in this world. Or we don't get hold on to this world too tightly because we have a kingdom that's coming. And so you can't hold on to one kingdom while waiting for another. And so uh, one of the passages I want to look at, because all of this is pointing to we live between the, the establishment of God's kingdom or the reestablishment of God's kingdom through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we await for the, for the fulfill, fulfillment of that, uh, that we, we're looking forward to the king's return to his kingdom. So I want to look at this a uh, few different passages. First one is in Matthew chapter 24. This is the big rapture passage or one of the big ones that, that people go to a lot. And I want to really look at the con the immediate context uh, in this passage. Um, I'm going to start with verse 40 and then I'm going to back up and look at the context. It says, two men will be in a field. One will be taken, the other will be left behind or the other will be left. Two women, two women will be grinding with the handmill. One will be taken and the other left. And the assumption in the Left Behind series is uh, you're taken into the air. The righteous are taken and the unrighteous are left behind on this earth. And it's all from the assumption that heaven is our ultimate goal going up to heaven is our ultimate goal. So let's look at the immediate context and see uh, which, is, which is better, to be taken or to be left behind. Verse 36. But about that day or hour, no one knows. It's talking about the coming of the second coming of Christ. Uh, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father knows when the Son will return. And then here's the example of what's going to happen. It says, As it was in the days of Noah, so it'll be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. Okay, so stop right there. Uh, who is taken? The, the people outside of the ark. And so who's left behind? The people on the ark, the righteous. And it says that's how it'll be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two will be in a field, one will be taken, and the other will be left. So in this passage, uh, who is it that will be taken and who will be left? Uh, two women will be grinding at the handmill, one will be taken, the other will be left. Uh, the context of, of Noah shows that it's the evil that are taken and the righteous will be left. And so the whole premise of the Left Behind series that the righteous will be taken um, really is just a poor reading of this passage. And, and one of the things when you look at Jewish history, when you look throughout the Old Testament, uh, it's never good to be taken. The, the Jews are always taken into exile. Uh, the, when the language of being taken uh, is used, it's always for exile. It's almost never good. 
so that that's one passage uh, that we want to look at to kind of establish this this idea of um, heaven coming down that that the images in Revelation uh, 21 and 22 is all about the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven here to earth where God's dwelling will be and so we want to look at some other passages here let's look at first Thessalonians uh, 13 through 18 I, I love the uh, historical context of this passage that the the imagery is a little bit lost on us because we don't um, we don't live in this world but but first Timothy chapter 4 13 through 18 says brothers and sisters we don't we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of the mankind who have no hope for we believe that Jesus died and rose again so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him according to the Lord's word we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. Uh, and here's, here's the passage that, that I want to really look at. It says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Uh, the imagery here uh, is not one of rapture where our souls you know, leave our bodies or our transformed souls or our bodies are disappear, whatever it is. And to go be with Jesus to then drift off to heaven. It actually never shares a direction once we meet Jesus in the air. Uh, but the imagery that, that, I, that I believe Paul is using, and this, there's a lot of, other, a lot of scholars who, who attest to this as well, is that, that in the ancient world when a king has been off for a time, whether it's um, you know, making trade deals or conquering... Uh, or protecting lands, whatever it is, there's uh, the king is coming back to his kingdom, and and the watchman sees the banners off in the distance, and they know that the king is returning. They then sound the trumpet to alert everyone that the king has returned to his kingdom, and then all people stop what they're doing to then go and meet the king on the road. And then they parade the king back to his kingdom. Uh, this is the imagery of the ancient world, and and I don't think it's mere speculation. I, I, I really do think this is what Paul's leaning on. That this imagery uh, where Jesus is coming from goes back to Acts chapter 1. Um, let's look at, we're going to look at this passage uh, more fully, but let's look at verse 11 right now. It says, Men of Galilee, they said, these are the two men dressed in white, the angels. This Jesus, the same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. So, uh, you know, the, the Christian assumption or the, the Christian understanding is that Christ will come through the clouds. And there's, there's uh, to go into a deeper study, this actually goes back to Daniel and the Son of Man writing on the clouds. Uh, that's a whole 
deeper study that we don't, we don't have time to go into. But if you're watching the videos within T. Wright, he gets into that a little bit. Um, but this idea is Jesus is in heaven uh, and he ascends up into heaven uh, to then come back to us uh, on earth. And the, the assumption in the biblical world is that heaven is up, hell is down, and we live in the middle. Uh, but we've been talking about heaven being a reality in, uh, of the existence and presence of God. And so this is a, um, Jesus goes to be in the presence of God, in the heavenly realities, uh, awaiting a time when heaven and earth come back together in this ushering in of the kingdom. But when you look at uh, Acts chapter one, more in its uh, more in, more in its context, uh, I love this imagery in First Thessalonians that depicts Jesus as a king returning to his kingdom. And this is what we get to in Acts chapter one that in this transitional time between Jesus's ministry and the ministry of the church, there's this question about the kingdom. And starting in verse 4 of Acts chapter 1, it says, On one occasion, uh, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And, and the gift of the Holy Spirit, so let me pause here. The gift of the Holy Spirit is the presence of God, that the the Jewish expectation of the return of the Messiah would be the return of God to his temple, that the presence of God would be in his temple and restore the land to be God's dwelling place again. But, but God's intention is actually bigger than Israel. God's intention is to restore the world. And so uh, there's, there's a new temple now because there's a new creation, and the new temple is the people of God restoring them. Uh, to, to be the image bearers of God, the ones who have his Holy Spirit, the one who have his presence. And so then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And after he said this, he was taken up before their eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. And this is when the angels tell them to uh, that he's going to return the same way as they saw him go to heaven. That all of this, uh, this receiving of the Holy Spirit is this uh, receiving part of the kingdom of God the assurance that God is king. And as people who have received the Holy Spirit, and this is what I want to leave you with uh, as, we, as we wrap this up. As people who have received the Holy Spirit, we have received the gift of the down payment, the assurance, the promise that God is king and he is returning to restore his kingdom here on earth. He's, he's going to restore heaven and earth together as, as he intended them to be. And so as people of hope of the second coming, we are the people that, that we know that the king is going to return. And no matter how bad things are here, 
We are people of hope knowing that the king is still going to sit on his throne. And no matter who's in political office, no matter what, uh, what kingdom is reigning here on earth, we know that there is one true king. And so when the early Christians, in the belief that Jesus would return with his kingdom, they would profess that Jesus Christ is Lord. It was this political statement that Caesar was not. And so to say that Jesus Christ is Lord is to say, I, I give my allegiance to one and one only, and that is Jesus Christ. I can't hold on to one kingdom here on earth and, and have anticipation of another kingdom. I have to hold on to one kingdom and one kingdom only. Because there's one king, he is Lord of Lords, he is King of Kings. And so to hold too tightly to the kingdoms of this earth, and you know, we need to care about what's going on, we need to hold these kingdoms accountable. But to, to reach for any kind of power here on earth to, um, to, give, to give our allegiance to the kingdoms of this earth uh, is to reject Christ as king. And so there's, there's a hard thing here that we have to wrestle with. To be people of hope means that we, we anticipate the second coming where Christ will return as king. And we have, to, we have to look at our allegiances in light of that. So we are people of hope who believe that Christ will return and take his place on the throne. And when we look back at all the parables of Jesus, uh, or so many of the parables of Jesus that, that talk about the master returning, uh, we have to ask ourselves, are our lamps lit with hope, looking for the master return, or are we trying to gain dominance over others and have power ourselves as people of the house? Uh, go back and read the, the, the parables of Jesus with, with this idea of the king returning in mind. We're people of hope, so let's live in that hope.